Our gospel reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. It is the parable of the talents. Jesus said, For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. For as this worthless slave, as for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The theme for today's sermon is living and giving bravely. And right at the top, I want to address the elephant in the room. Because right now, some of you are probably thinking, I'm not brave. That's a term and a title that belongs to somebody else. I'm not brave. Brave is not a word that we use a lot. And bravery tends to be a description of ourselves that we demure from thinking that it doesn't apply to us, that it only belongs to those who fall in certain categories like the military or first responders or certainly in these times, healthcare workers. However, Brene Brown, author of books like Daring Greatly and Braving the Wilderness, who really inspired this sermon, writes that bravery is or can be an everyday occurrence. She says that most of us are brave and afraid at exactly the same time all day long. She says that that fear 
which we think disqualifies us from being considered brave, is actually the very thing that makes us so. She says you can't really be brave without vulnerability. That is, showing up to life fully as yourself with an open heart, knowing that you'll experience joy and triumph and falling and failing, but showing up nonetheless. Being brave is about showing up as ourselves, for ourselves, for others, and for the world. By that definition, I see bravery all around us, in educators and parents, the sick and those who care for them, the grieving and those who comfort them, those who keep showing up to work day after day, and those who keep showing up for others. Everyone can be brave because we all have the ability and opportunity each day to show up for our lives and for others. And this has been a time when we have had to be brave in many ways, showing up to a world that is so different than the one it seemed we knew just eight months ago, a world that feels full of challenges, a world of week-long elections and coronavirus and ever-changing work and school. This is a time, if ever there was a time, for living bravely and for everyday bravery. And you are all demonstrating that each day, and I am inspired. Thank you. This morning's gospel lesson is called The Parable of the Talents, and you heard the story. The master goes away and entrusts his servants with his property to one five talents, another two, another one. And the ones with five and two put their money to work and they double their money. But the one who received just the one talent out of fear of losing it and the wrath of his master buried it away. And when the master returns, those who did more with their gifts and talents are praised and entrusted with more. He says, enter into the joy of your master. But the one who buried his treasure is chastised and condemned. Professor Dirk Lang, an old classmate of mine from seminary, writes that the gospel writer Matthew equated the master in this story with Jesus, that the master is the one who is present with the servants and then the one who departs only to come back again. When the community interprets the master as representing Jesus, the dynamics of the parable change. Jesus cannot be interpreted as a hard slave master who demands unjust practices for profit, from his servants. We are forced to think of the master as inviting his servants into a fullness, a superabundance of grace that is continually offered. Saint Isaac of Syrian of uh, Saint Isaac the Syrian put it this way, God can only give faithful love. The master already possessing the gift of the talents is inviting his servants to share in his joy. When the first two are finally invited to enter into the joy of their master, they are perhaps not entering a greater fullness than before, but rather now are able to recognize the dynamics of joy of, that undergird the gift of faith. The joy of the master is the joy of the feast that is self-giving, sharing, being distributed into the world. In this sense, the interest gained on the talents is like the hundredfold that the disciple receives when he or she gives everything away to follow Jesus. Lang says that the third servant 
has not only hidden the talent, but in doing so, he has buried himself. The third servant is not so much condemned as he condemns himself to a place, a life, that knows not joy, that knows only darkness and wailing and grinding of teeth. This place, he says, is self-created. I'm guessing that all three of these servants felt perhaps both brave and afraid at the same time. However, the first two were willing to risk to be courageous and brave to trust in abundance, while the third was paralyzed and trapped by fear, his imagination limited by scarcity. And speaking of that superabundance of gifts and grace of which Lang writes, what if I told you that a talent, in fact, was a vast sum of money? A talent was worth about 6,000 denarii, which was the pay for one day's labor. So even the one who received just one talent received the equivalent pay of 16 years of labor. The one with five, 80 years. The one with two, 32 years. And so the last servant looked at that talent and saw only one coin rather than the abundance and superabundance that it truly represented. He was focused on scarcity and fear rather than abundance and hope, while the other two recognized that they had immense resources to work with. This all reminds me of a quote that I keep pinned on the wall in our basement um, in the little corner of the storage room where I should be working out more. And it's a quote from Steve Prefontaine, the great University of Oregon and Olympic runner from the 1970s, whose life was cut short by a car accident. And the quote says this, to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. To give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. Now, for as much as I read, I'm not a person that can rattle off a bunch of quotes, but this one has stuck with me over the years. It is a quote, and maybe your Lutheran spidey senses are already tingling, that can easily slip into the realm of works righteousness, that it is up to me and me alone to use what I've got. But that's not how I read it. I read it as saying, we have been given gifts in this life, gifts from God, and it may be athletic ability or knowledge and know-how, a sense of humor, a wise spirit, a prayerful heart, a listening ear, financial resources, certain passions and skills. And we have all been given body and breath and mind and soul. And we are called to share them for the sake of our neighbors. And when we do, we experience the fullness of those gifts and the joy of those gifts. Jesus says that in these moments, we enter into the joy of our master. When we share the gift, we multiply it along with love and grace and joy. The original gift is not the thing itself. It only becomes a gift when it is shared. This is the joy, yes, joy, that we discover in stewardship. When we share our time and talents and treasure, when we give of ourselves, we multiply the gift. And all of our giving together for our church 
comes together to create a place where lives are changed, where people find refuge and purpose and community, and where we are sent out to serve to make a love-expanding difference in the world from right here in Ambler and Upper Dublin to Philly and Appalachia and around the world with our global missions. There is no more clear and inspiring example than the church about how sharing of ourselves multiplies the gift, creates joy, and changes the world. Even in these times, God invites us to see the superabundance of God's gifts and blessings in our lives, and to bravely give and share those gifts with a community that God has established, the church, to share and multiply them in order to love the world and transform it into a closer image of the kingdom of God, which is God's dream for the world. As you reflect on your giving for the coming year, please reflect and pray. Please grow in your giving if you can. We understand that these are uncertain times. And enter into the joy of giving bravely, knowing that God will do more with our gifts than we can ask or imagine. Finally, I want to share a saying that Brene Brown has made popular about living and giving bravely, which is strong back, soft front, wild heart. Strong back, soft front, wild heart. She has written and spoken about this threefold posture often, and she recently devoted a whole episode in her podcast to it, which I highly recommend. She says that we usually make our way through the world with a kind of armored front to protect ourselves from the hurt and dangers of life. She says we usually have an armored front and a weak spine. But this frontal armor prevents us from growing into our gifts and becoming our authentic selves. Rather, she says, we should cultivate a strong backbone, but keep our front soft to welcome and love the world and to meet it with a wild and loving heart. Brown says it this way, It's tough and tender, brave and afraid, all at the same time. Grit and grace, a strong back, soft front, and wild heart has the capacity to hold all of this. It is showing up in our vulnerability and our courage and being both fierce and kind. And it reminds me of Paul's letter to the Thessalonians where he encourages them to put on the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet for the hope of salvation and to encourage one another and build one another up as indeed you are doing. This is the armor of God which is echoed in Ephesians, not an armor to keep the world out, but to engage the world with the superabundant love and grace of God, who gives us every good gift. These are challenging times, but God has given us the gifts and the courage and the bravery to see our way through into a new hope, into God's dream for us and the world. Are you ready? Strong back, soft front, wild heart. Here we go. Amen.